Hello there. Something's been playing on my mind recently, especially after the events of last weekend. Now not the US election lockdown, whether to buy yet another box of scampi fries, box number five for the record, or whether to declare myself bankrupt. Now it's about football. You see, when I was a lot younger, the results of my football team used to dominate my mood at a weekend. This was rather problematic, because my football team tended to be average at best a lot of the time. If that. So there was a lot of moodiness, basically. I've tried down the years to wean myself off such a dependency on something out of my control. But then the takeover happened in 2008, and City have rarely been out of the news since. And I've kept writing about it, and started contributing to something called a podcast, or whatever that is, and got sucked back into the whole dependency thing. I'm not complaining about writing and talking about my football team, my one true passion in life away from maize snacks, but it's not help sometimes when you're obliged to talk about football. Pretty much every day. There is no escape. I've woken up on many a day with a sense of dread, knowing I had to do a review that day about a poor performance, and would have paid good money not to have had to, to have escaped that duty. They're never as bad as it feels though, and can actually be very cathartic. And of course City have thankfully not given me too many days like that in the past few years anyway. But I think there's an unfortunate consequence of a global pandemic, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, and a need for escapism. And that is that many of us are investing more than ever in our happiness depending on the results of our football team. Because for many of us, what else have we got? We've not got that much day experience around the game itself that could help take the edge off a bad performance. I've not got my holiday to Turkey to experience, I've not got my comedy gigs or music gigs or family visits or meals out or a lot more. I've got what feels like solitary confinement a lot of the time and a smorgasbord of sport on my TV. And for the record, I love that word. And watching football means I'm not thinking about the consequences of Brexit, Trump getting in again, the daily death figure from Covid, not seeing friends, deaths and all the other cheerful things us non-politicians have to endure on a daily basis. And that is dangerous if your team does not perform to the standard you expect or even demand. And the problem with City is, we demand almost perfection a lot of the time. I mean, it's hard when the rest of the world seems to be crumbling around us that a football team lets us down too. It just pushes you further into the abyss. I might be over-egging the situation a bit there by using that word. I mean, if Pep is going to fall to pieces and play a triple pivot, play Eric Garcia up front and re-sign Claudio Bravo, now is really not the time. We're a bit preoccupied right now, Pep. Could you just do all the stuff you used to? You know, wingers staying wide, inverting the full-backs, not the attacking players, playing left-footy players on the left and right-footy players on the right. You know, the sort of stuff you actually did against Marseille. We've got enough of other stuff to worry about right now. So how can we fill the time better and not let it take over our thoughts? I've no idea, to be honest. I think we're stuck with this cycle and this dependency. Or some of us are. Just try and remember when City scrape a draw at Sheffield United on Saturday though that none of this really matters. The other stuff I mentioned matters a lot more, but the results of a football team in the middle of a pandemic, an empty stadium, with players dropping left, right and centre, is really not that important in the scheme of things. I think Pep is all too aware of this too, all too aware of the madness of playing every three or four days in such conditions. Hey, if we win a trophy this season I'll take it, I'll love it, I'll celebrate it. But remember that if we don't, it's hard to draw too many long-term conclusions. These are not normal times and it's perhaps excusable if some players are struggling for normality, just like we are, irrespective of the size of their wage packet. Anyway, it was back to a victory and back to the Champions League this week, where City seemed to find scoring a tad easier, even against low blocks. It was sobering to realise it was a day of a European away too. 
There I was sat at home all day, but under normal circumstances, I would be, well, sat at home, bemoaning the fact I couldn't afford to go whilst looking at other people's photos from the south of France. Different times, eh? I couldn't afford another £25 either a month for BT, so piggybacked on someone else's online account. And speaking of extra costs to watch football, there is again talk of pay-per-view being put down. This time to just under £10. But not yet, as the stupid continue to lead the stupid. They still don't get it, do they? When Mike Ashley is the voice of reason, a man who is still taking season ticket payments from Newcastle fans for games behind closed doors, then 2020 has truly excelled itself. £10 is better than £15, of course, but it's still too much for me. I'm still adamant that they would actually make more money if they reduced prices to a fiver. Apparently under a thousand people paid for one match, and that's part of the problem. The big teams tend to be on live TV most of the time anyway, so it's a tax on supporters of smaller clubs. Still, at least something good has come out of this, namely the Food Bank Initiative, whereby fans are giving their £15 to Food Bank instead of for watching a match at home. It's raised hundreds of thousands of pounds so far, and if United and City's games end up on pay-per-view at the end of November, as is currently a possibility, look out for online initiatives from both sets of fans to raise more much-needed money for charity. Anyway, finally, as is tradition, I end on a depressing sober note. Yep, Jordan Pickford has been receiving death threats and has had to hire security to protect him and his family. And to state the obvious, we got to this point because the Liverpool cabal from ex-players to blinkered journalists are enablers for this sort of behaviour. After all, Liverpool have played three games since the incident and yet still it seems to be a talking point for some. It was all so, so inevitable. I half joked at this scenario arising on a podcast last week. I mean, are we really surprised? It's the most inevitable news of the week, perhaps the year. The equivalent of discovering that Donald Trump might be a bit of a racist. I mean, Liverpool players have received death threats from mistakes on a football pitch, so Pickford never stood the chance. Now, don't get me wrong, as I said last week, I expect a level of anger at one of your most important players suffering a serious injury in a derby due to the rashest of rash challenges from an opposition player. I do not expect Liverpool fans to simply shrug their shoulders and move on. Would we as City fans not have something to say if Fred hacked down Kevin De Bruyne and did his cruciates? Well, that doesn't mean that lines still can't be crossed. They can, and they have been. And those at cross lines should be asked if they consider it acceptable for Jordan Pickford to require an armed guard. Well, maybe not armed. They should be asked if they think their own views in any way contributed to the situation we now find ourselves in. Chris Sutton said it was intentional. That's a lie. Others called it assault. And of course, Piers Morgan said that if that had happened in the street, it would have gone to prison. There's just no accountability for these sorts of views. TalkSport were incessant on the topic, which is part of the reason I ignored a DM last week from a TalkSport producer to go on their show. Now, you're alright. After all, I know a fellow, fellow podcaster was asked on, and was then introduced on air as having contacted TalkSport himself to speak to them. They just can't help themselves sometimes. But then hot takes are their business model. All this sincere and frank talk about taking mental health in football seriously in a week when an ex-academy player sadly took his life, and yet the toxicity remains and often comes from places of power and influence. There should be freedom of speech, of course, and freedom of opinions, but there should be consequences to those opinions too. The duty of care from these hot-take warriors is akin to the All Lives Matters crowd's concern for refugees in dinghies, non-existent. As the instigator of a pylon in the past, not deliberately, but still, I know how da- damaging even at a low level online criticism can be, even a retweet. When you have nowhere to hide as a footballer, including around your own city, then the situation is far more dangerous. You wish? 
in vain, no doubt, that in future some with influence in the media engage their brain before they speak, but I wouldn't hold your breath. It still staggers me to this day how many who have played the game professionally have such a slim grasp on reality and logic. Their experiences should count for something, but it seems heading a football was of greater impact. The hot tech merchants will continue to get invited into the talk sports studio and elsewhere to bellow hot air guff out on the airwaves. Don't forget to call in if you disagree. After all, Gabby Agbonlahor was calling Bielsa a fraud last week because they lost at home to Wolves. This was days before Leeds gave his old club a footballing lesson on their own patch. Will such views affect his ability to gain media work? Of course not. The opposite, probably. He's no better than the meme merchants being ratioed on Twitter, but it will pay him well, so why stop? This is the world we live in. Anyway, that's all for this edition. Hope you enjoyed my upbeat thoughts and happy-go-lucky attitude and demeanour. I'll hopefully be back soon. Take care, stay safe, have a great week. Vote Biden, donate blood. Look out for those that are struggling right now. And as always, up the blues.